All your base are belong to us. Hello, and welcome to Fake Geek Girls, a podcast looking at nerdy pop culture from both a fan and critical perspective, encouraging the things we love to do better. I'm Missy, I'm a writer, and I watched stuff. I also read stuff, but I watched quite a few things. I'm Mary, I'm a marketer, and I didn't do as... Actually, I did do as much. Full disclosure, I don't tell you guys the dirty shit I listen to. I Listen, <laughs> if you want... If you want, I don't know if I want everybody knowing the fucked up shit sometimes I read. Mary's Mary's secret book <laughs> club. We can make that a Patreon. Let's thing. just put it this way. I have a Kindle Unlimited account. <laughs> if you know, you know. If you know, you know. I don't have a Kindle Unlimited account. I don't know. <laughs> Kindle Unlimited is full of things like I'm not even no. It's just it's, I mean it's just a lot of like independent authors who've are like chasing their bliss chasing their smutty bliss yeah i mean i was just wild i was just reading chuck tingle to mary this is true uh specifically Um, i was reading i was reading shit well like sometimes i like you know some of the some of the things that happen i'm like there's a really good tiktok was like oh there goes my feminism will you please read that that one person i keep getting on tiktok who or i don't anymore but the reverse harem author with oh tell me her name her username is literally reverse harem author. If you look her up, you'll find her. I'm, uh, I'm, I bet you she's on Kindle Unlimited. Yeah. The one I was reading to Mary was unionized in the butt, and ha- and now everyone is safer, happier, and better paid. I maintain that Chuck Tingle is a genius, so I didn't finish the story, but I was enjoying myself while reading it. Um. Oh, so I, I, no, maybe I haven't. Let honest. We don't have to talk about everything, Mary, but I think that. Mary's Dirty Book Club is an excellent Patreon reward for those who want it. We can make it a special tier. Yeah, but be prepared for Mary's Dirty Book Club. I, I there is no feminism in those books. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Um, if that's something you're interested in, All let right. us know. It's free. I'm gonna put it. I'm I'm putting. Yeah, it on tell. My- I'm so excited. I because I just get this person's like real Instagram reels all the time. I'm not interested in the books. It's like not my thing at all. Um. But I want to know if they're good. <laughs> I have only read a few reverse harems. It's not necessarily my thing, but like some some of them are fine, some of them are bad. Like I've read, I think I've read like three, mm-hmm. and like two of them were from the same. There were two, two books that there's never King in the Dark one, and those were so fucking good. I'm not talking about those. <laughs> but let us know. Contact at fakeygirlscast.com. You can add us on Twitter at fakeygirls with an underscore between each word or let us know in the Discord if you want Mary's Dirty Book Club <laughs> and we will make it a Patreon reward because I think it's great. I think that's great. The people want to know, Mary. I know people listen to this podcast and are like, I love Mary's horny book recs. <laughs> like as horny as you think the books that I have talked about on here. You, you don't know the depth. You don't know the depth. If you know the book Priest... Now, now you know. Now, <laughs> the more you know. Um, so yeah, let us know if that's something that you're interested in as a Patreon reward because I can. We can make it happen. We can make it happen. We can make it happen. This is this is the we're gonna turn the tables here because I don't read. I read dirty fan fiction, but I don't read these books. So instead of me doing the doing the explaining of topics, you are gonna explain topics to me. Railed by the <laughs> Easter Bunny. <laughs> wow, it was sweet. <laughs> like there a are two your two uh uh previews of the two priest and railed by the easter bunny i love this we gotta make this happen uh i'll go first because i have a bunch okay i watched wet hot american summer that sounds like a dirty book it does we drew it out of the jar it was weird so this is this is a comedy that came out I want to say in the late 80s starring a bunch of people from SNL and like Paul Rudd and everybody and it I didn't know this but apparently there were a lot of like horny camp movies that came out during this time like I know Sleepaway Camp which isn't really horny but like I did not know about this subgenre and maybe it was in the 90s that this movie More came out know. Uh, I did not know and it's it's a weird parody of like it's not like Airplane but sometimes the humor is so absurd that it is airplane. There is not necessarily connections from scene to scene. 
Sometimes things don't make any sense. Some of it was very funny. Some of it was not very funny. Um, It follows, well, it's a movie about a summer camp and it's like coming up on the last, the last day of summer camp. Um, And it follows like the camp counselors who are all horny adult teens. You know what I mean, right? (laughs) And they're, they're trying to hook up with the object of their affection um, I'm actually going to look it up on Wikipedia real quick because I think I watched this the night we last recorded. Um, oh, so a while ago. The, the night we last recorded a What We've Been Up To. <laughs> so it's been uh, it's been a bit. This movie came out in 2001. Don't fucking listen to me. <laughs> it just feels older. <laughs> it is set in 1981. That's the problem. Uh, it is. It came out in 2001. Don't fucking listen to me. Oh, I know this. I know this movie. Yeah, it, it does kind of look like you mixed uh, like Animal House with uh, um, those families that go out. National Lampoon. Yeah, yeah. Or at least the cover does. I'm. Sp- <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, they're all trying to hook up with other people, and uh, even the people who run it, like the is Janine Garofalo. She plays like one of the heads of the, of the, the camp. And she is like the, the guy who lives next door to the camp is like this astrophysics guy. It was a weird movie. It was really weird. Um, it wasn't great. I would not, that is not a word that I would apply to wet, hot American summer. I can't believe I thought this movie came out in the eighties. I'm full. Isn't of sh- like, I'm full of shit. Some like famous people. Paul Rudd. Amy Poehler. Janine Garofalo, oh, Amy Poehler, right. Millie, Sha- Millie Shannon. Molly Shannon. How could it have come out? I guess they're not that. Elizabeth Banks. I know. That's why I was like, I don't know if I'm right. This was Bradley Cooper's film debut. Oh, so that would make me kind of feel like it's older, too. Uh, Listen, I don't know why I thought this movie came out when these people were eight years old, but such is life. I don't know what I'm talking about. Don't ever listen to me. Um, anyway, the movie was it was funny. At times, and at times it was not funny at all. And I don't know that I would recommend it. But if you like this this kind of goofy shit, then maybe it's worth watching, watching for Josh you. Did Josh like it? I think Josh liked it. He'd also seen the show, which I think was better received. The movie was not well received, but it kind of has a cult following now. Um, I think because it's like, it's fucking weird. <laughs> like, like, it doesn't hit all... like. Airplane hits a lot of the absurdity notes in a way that like carries you from scene to scene. Like it's consistently absurd. This movie was only sometimes absurd. Um, and that, yeah, it was, it was weird. Um, but the show I think was better received. And I think Josh watched the show and liked it. Um, which I would watch. Cause I think that if you did this now with, with a little more, with a little more um, strength in writing and directing, I think it could have been a lot better, uh, less inconsistent. So I would be interested to watch the show slash movie. They like it was a show and then they made it a movie or something. I don't know. Um, I would I would be willing to watch that because I think it could be better. But it had its moments. I do love Unpopular Opinion. I do love Godspell. And they did do Day by Day from Godspell in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> which was exciting for me um so yeah it was a real mixed bag and that's all i can really say about it i think i'm, I'm trying to think of something to add other than that that's i feel it. other than i feel absurd for thinking this movie was made in the 80s uh but as we all know the 80s was 20 years ago um 2021 yep. 2021 was 10 years ago so you know it made sense in my you know old age brain of 33 <laughs> But yeah, it was all right. It was all right. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say you should rush out and watch it. I watched the Batman, um, which came to HBO way faster than I thought it would, much to my husband's excitement. Uh, this is the new Batman, which uh, Robert Pattinson is Batman, and Zoe Kravitz right is uh, yeah. Catwoman. And um, hold on, I gotta see who Paul, Paul Dano. Paul is the Dano Riddler. is the Riddler. Yeah. I love Paul Dano. This and... is a Paul Dano positive i'm house. pretty sure you're gonna fucking love paul dano in that good i love paul dano um then penguin is ir- like not even recognizable with who plays him i can't remember who it is though oh yeah colin farrell plays the penguin have you seen what the penguin looks like no go look at the penguin 
And then try to tell me that's Colin Farrell. I love Colin Farrell. I'm scared. Well, oh, and um, Felix from James Bond uh, <laughs> plays uh, Gordon. What have they done to my boy Colin? Yeah, it doesn't look like Colin Farrell. Um, but though I didn't really have any expectations for this movie. I don't. I didn't think that Robert Pattinson would be a good Batman strictly on looks because he's they made him so thin. He looks really thin. But like watching it, I could believe he's really thin. He's fucking stressed out. Yeah, he's stressed. He's pressed, <laughs> and he's just fully dressed. Fully dressed as the Batman. <laughs> Um, I want to give props to whoever did the um, market research for this movie because this movie came out at a perfect time because it's so emo. <laughs> like, like Robert pa- and like Twilight people who love Twilight are now older and they like they're still they're gonna be like, yeah, I'll watch this Batman movie, and it was just like. The market research done here was spectacular. I feel like it really hit like a lo- a good chunk of people's like what they want to watch. Um cuz people are really attracted to Robert Pattinson. He, I I'm not super attracted to him, but I think he's good. People of Batman, people are super attracted to Zoe Kravitz. She looks fucking amazing in it. Um and uh I don't know if like the story was really great, but it was fun to watch. <laughs> I think that's that's what you want. Yeah, it, I think it, it was definitely like a dark movie, like literally and like um, thematically. It was definitely dark, but I feel like all the Batmans, for the most part, like all the newer Batmans created are. So um, it's not really surprising. I thought the Riddler was a really good villain, like really, really good. Um, I very much enjoyed him as a Riddler and then after it was done I told my husband like that's my favorite Riddler he's like name another Riddler I'm like Riddler <laughs> Edward Nigma. duh duh um so yeah I I like this movie more than I thought but I did go in with like zero expectations mm-hmm. um Missy I do I think you will like parts of it mm-hmm. parts being fair. Zoe Kravitz and Paul Dano well I do also love it when Robert Pattinson looks all fucked up he does look all fucked up he does. He looks like he's malnutrition. Also, um, uh, I always want to fucking call him Jeeves. His name's not Jeeves. Alfred. Alfred is played by, uh, what's his name? I remember you telling Gollum. me. Andy Circus. Yeah. And I don't like Andy Circus. Well, he showed up. I didn't realize it was him and his outfit. And he's like, you know, in the other ones, he's like, not a frail man, but you know, he's like a Jeeves man, right? That's why I'm gonna call him <laughs> Jeeves. No, this Alfred goes to fucking sex club. This Albert fucks. This Albert fucks. <laughs> like, I think that's the first thing I said. Cause I was just like, he does. Like he does. Um, and you know, there is essentially a sex club in it. So, but he's definitely not going to that one. That one's not good. Not good enough for him. Yeah. But yeah, it was good. I liked it. I'll watch it someday. Um, I watched Hero, the Jet Li martial arts film. Um, and this is the sad fact of my life. I love to watch people do hand-to-hand combat. <laughs> but I just, I don't, I'm, I'm struggling because I have yet to find a martial arts film that I really enjoy. Um, and I think it's because a lot of the ones I've watched have been the wuxia films, I think is how it's said, which are the kind of magical ones they're really really cool like don't get me wrong they're really cool this is not a problem with the films this is this is a problem with me and I think it's that I love to watch the individual fighting scenes but then there's like a hundred of them and I get really bored and they go on for a long time I, I was gonna say like maybe I'll ask Bob and see if yet but I feel like a lot of them just there just a lot of fighting scenes yeah I so I think I need to watch ones that are more grounded and I might like those more mm-hmm. um Hero is like a historical movie about this again it's been now been a while since I watched it um actually let me pull it up really quick so I can give you an accurate summary um but it is set in the past and it has a series of flashback sequences um to that sort of tell the story leading up to the moment of the um that the movie starts uh and it refers to so it's it's actually coming from the warring states period of chinese history um and it is about a uh, a man who's just known as nameless 
Um, and he meets, he's coming to the city to meet up with the king um, who has survived multiple, I'm reading this from Wikipedia, multiple attempts on his life by the assassination, assassins, long sky, flying snow and broken sword. And um, so he, the nameless kind of tells the story of how he defeated these various assassins and what happened to him. Um, and it's very cool and exciting to watch. I really liked the story of this movie and I really liked the visuals um, but for whatever, like I said, for whatever reason, this style of filmmaking just doesn't do it for me. Um, if this had been like, I, like, I don't know, it's weird. If I had watched this as like a series of short films or TV episodes, like 10 minute TV episodes, I might've liked it more, but something about watching it all together, I just kind of tune out after a little bit. Um, and again, it's not the quality of the filmmaking. It's not that it's boring or uninteresting or bad. It's just like, for whatever reason, my brain does not like to tune into it for an extended period of time. Um, but like, I liked House of Flying Daggers a bit more, I think because it, the pacing was different. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I want to like martial arts films more because, oh my God, I hate looking at people shooting each other. It's so fucking boring. With like a few exceptions, but like for the most part, shooting scenes are so boring. I want to watch people like fight with swords or, or hand to hand. Um, and that's what happens, right? In in martial arts films, there's so much more hand to hand combat or occasionally a sword or a spear. There's like a very big spear scene in this movie. Um, and I, I don't Very big spear scene. They are big spears. <laughs> it's both. It, the, spears. the scene is long. The spears are big. Um, and... Uh, so I like I want to like them more, but then in practice, like I don't know if it goes on too long or what. I think that it's really effective because these scenes almost like, you know, when you're reading a fairy tale or something, and it's like they flew across the battlefield and blah blah blah. Like they make that that figurative language literal, and I think that's really really cool because it's just it like it lends a visual element to that method of of storytelling. I think it's so cool, but for whatever reason, my brain's just like, nah. I'm sitting here like, no, it's cool. Understand that it's cool. And my brain is like, nah. Interesting. Um, and that's, that's the unfortunate consequence of my brain. I will continue trying to watch martial arts movies because I think they're really interesting, <laughs> but for whatever reason, my brain is like, I will not accept this. Um, I guess it's like when, when you know that you should eat kale or whatever, you like, you know, yeah. you know, you should eat it and you put it in your mouth and your tongue goes and spits it out. That's kind of what my brain is doing with martial arts films. All right. Talking about things that you think you should like, but <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm unsure if I like this. I read Wretched by Emily McIntyre, which is the third book in her. I don't know what the series is called. But it's it's fairy tale. It's extremely extremely loose fairy tale retellings. Um, so the first one was Hooked, which I fucking loved. Um, one of my favorite books I've I've read. Um, like I think I read it last year. Anyways, no, I read it this year. One of my favorite books I've read in a while, and that one is a Peter Pan retelling. Um, Scars, which was also pretty good, which was Lion King. And then this one is Wizard of Oz. Um, the difference with this one is the villain is the female man character and the good guy is, um, the dude who is cop. And, um, I have strange feelings on this book. I don't know if it's at the moment in which I read it because like, I'm a very, like, if my, like, real life was just too stressful for this book. Um, but so in it, the main character, she, her family, um, she is the wicked witch and her sister is Dorothy. And I don't know who her father is supposed to be. Um, but, uh, no, she's not the, she's one of the witches, the wicked witch of whoever dies one of them, one of their sisters dies, and it's one of the witches, the Wicked Witch of the East. Yes, and I, I don't, I'm gonna guess that's who the witch that dies. Um, and you find out pretty early, like it's probably Dorothy who killed her, right? And you're like, it's definitely Dorothy who killed her because you know the story. Um, but what what happens with this family is that they, uh, they are also like uh, drug runners, like not, not they're not drug runners. They they have a drug operation in which they sell um, opium. And she, uh, 
you find out that she is the one create like growing the flowers in this like bunker and she's like it's supposed to be like super pure and like the best it's called flying monkey it's supposed to be like the best drugs ever and it's she's like super meticulous about it um and her dad really relies on her for that but his favorite is dorothy um and she's a fucking idiot and but she's also extremely cruel um and then the guy has to be like i'm looking f- to take down um this drug drug ring right and they're like we know who it is you got to go get with the sister dorothy because that's where the dad's bleeding heart is and that's how you get to him um but turns out he really like wants to be with the main character's sister i can't remember her name don't i can only remember dorothy because it's dorothy it's alphaba alphaba um and he's the tin man mm. uh so they actually had sex beforehand um but didn't realize who each other were so he needed oil <laughs> they were she, <laughs> she was he did fuck a lot <laughs> he did fuck a lot um so he has to go he ends up falling in love with the with the main character and um you know this was a really depressing book Mm-hmm. I have a hard time like I have a lot of I had a lot of anxiety reading it because I don't know if I didn't find the main characters to be likable. I don't think they liked each other. I think he liked her, but I really don't know if she liked him and like they hate fuck and I think it's real hate. Mm-hmm. Um it was a it was like you don't get the happy ending until like literally the last paragraph. And it's just not what I'm reading these books for. <laughs> I think that might be part of it. Just not reading these books for that. I was really excited because I like the idea of a female um, villain. I just, I think that she was so focused on creating a villain that she created like a really sad story for this villain. Like it was, it was sad. Like her family treated her like crap and she was really like the mastermind behind all of it. Uh, She does get her revenge by um, melting them with acid. (laughs) Um, which was pretty great, of course. Yeah, pretty great. Um, I don't know. I feel like this book, a lot of po- I know a lot of people like this book. I just feel like this wasn't maybe the book for me at that moment in time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it just wasn't like, it was really sad to have only a, like a partial happy ending at the very last paragraph. Um, I just, you know, and then he's like trying to get with the sister and she's like, doesn't know if like, they're really together or not and it was just kind of a rough read compared to like the other ones uh, i don't think it was bad i just think that maybe it wasn't for me at this at this at this moment but yeah i like the other ones a lot nice i watched another movie that it wasn't very good but it was fun to watch <laughs> and that movie is the uh miss Pettigrew lives for a day um this is a movie starring Francis McDormand, Amy Adams, uh, a bunch of people, and Lee Pace. Matt Ryan, who plays Constantine, is also in it, and I didn't recognize him. <laughs> My husband was looking up the movie, and he's like, Matt Ryan is in this? And I'm like, I watched this movie, and I did not see Matt Ryan. And then I looked, and he is in it. I just did not see him. Um, anyway, so the movie is set... Uh, like just before World War II, like just before war breaks out and it follows the Miss Pettigrew who is a um, middle-aged governess and she like sucks at being a governess. Like she's been fired so many times. She's, so she goes like to her, the employment agency and she's like, I need a job. And they're like, no, you suck too bad. You cannot have a job. Um, And she overhears that this person, somebody needs, needs a new assistant or whatever and so she just takes the card and heads over there herself without asking and it's amy adams playing um delicia lafosse or something it's like i think delicia or some delicia i don't know anyway i'm reading it and it's been a while since i watched it um who is this like wild kind of socialite um who's dating three different men at the same time and trying to keep them apart from each other and miss pettigrew steps in as her social secretary just by helping her navigate the crisis of the man who owns the apartment she's in is coming home while her boyfriend who is the playwright or the director of a play that she wants to star in and he's casting the lead right now is asleep in her bed um so 
Miss Pettigrew like helps her navigate that crisis and Delicia is like, okay, great. You're my social secretary now. And Miss Pettigrew is like, I'm your, excuse me, I'm your what? Um, and Miss Pettigrew, who's like really tight laced, ends up uh, like attending all of these things with Delicia, including like this lingerie show. And she's utterly scandalized. But then she has chemistry with the man who designs the lingerie, who is dating the woman who plays uh, Moaning Myrtle in Harry Potter. Oh, my God. Um, they were engaged. It's there's a lot of interpersonal relationship drama. And Lee Pace is there um, playing a man who plays the piano uh naturally he's my favorite um but he has just been released from prison for reasons i can't remember i don't know too hard he partied too hard too uh, beautiful he like they show they sh- uh delicia and miss Pettigrew show up back at the apartment and he's just there playing the piano like i'm a sad piano man and i'm so handsome because i'm lee face uh it was a weird movie and it, i wouldn't say it was good um, but it was fun to watch. If you want the thing, the weird thing about it is like it kept like flirting with being serious because uh, because of like literally at one point they have this fancy party and it's interrupted by um, warplanes flying overhead. So it keeps like it's like, oh, I'm going to be serious now. No, nope, I'm not. Just kidding. <laughs> it was very the tone was very weird, but it was really enjoyable. If you like if you want like a lighthearted pre-World War II series of romantic entanglement things, it was pretty fun. Amy Adams, I think, was a delight in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Lee Pace is a delight in everything he does from it doesn't matter what it is. It's if it's his Instagram story, it's a delight. He, everything he does is perfection. Um, so I was jazzed about that. Matt Ryan is there apparently, uh, <laughs> uh, which was weird. Uh, but yeah, I enjoyed it. I don't think it was great. And again, I don't know that I'm going to be like, Oh yeah, rush, rush out and watch this one. You guys. Um, but if you want kind of a weird, somewhat lighthearted, but vaguely threatening um, story <laughs> that it might be worth watching. If you're a Lee Pace completionist, which is fair, uh, then, you know, it's worth watching. <laughs> That's what I've got for you. <laughs> uh, Lee, fellow Lee, play, Lee Pace completionists, you know. If you know, you know. I watched a Discovery of Witches season one, which I'm now dubbing the most disappointing thing ever. <laughs> okay, so Discovery of Witches is um, on Shutter for some reason, uh, which is, you can watch other places, but it's free on Shutter if you have Shutter, which is a horror streaming service, and I I don't know why this was on there. Um, this is a fantasy story, I guess, about uh, witches and vampires, and. Uh, about this one lady she um doesn't have like she's a witch but like she doesn't have a lot of control over her powers and she doesn't have a lot of them um so she kind of just have lived has lived her life normally uh, as a human um she goes to i don't know some fancy university in the uk uh think of one of the fancy ones oxford oxford it's probably oxford yeah and um she goes there to do a uh uh not a speech a lecture. A lecture on um, how alchemy has affected science in the, in the past, which fucking sounds amazingly interesting. I wish they would have talked more about it. Um, Maybe but, they do in the book. Yeah, they, they probably do in the book. The um, the author is a like a professor of histor- historian. History. <laughs> she's a historian. She's a professor of history. A professor of history. <laughs> history. And so um, I'm sure that there's a lot more even in the book. Um, she quickly meets a vampire who vampires and witches are mortal enemies. So they're vampires, witches, and demons. I don't know what the demons do. I don't know what their powers are. They seem cool as fuck. <laughs> um, and I'm still really confused on what demons do in this. I'm, maybe I'll, I would learn... Um, further on um, and it was started out so good because it was forbidden romance you could tell they liked each other this this vampire and this witch you could tell but they're like we can't be together because you're a vampire and I'm a witch and then like there's this moment where he grabs her uh, he's like he's he confronts her about something and he grabs her jacket and he smells it and he's just like you need to walk away slow 
and don't run. I was like, yes, this is what I want. And then there was another part, which was, I literally think I like went, yes, exactly. Uh, they have to take her blood and somebody else is doing it. And he runs in there and he's like, no one's taking her blood but me. And I was like, yes, <laughs> this is what I want. Um, but then like episode three, they get together and episode four, they're like, I love you. And I'm like... <laughs> I needed a little bit more of this hate. <laughs> I needed a little bit more. And then it just became really like corny to me. Um, I thought a lot of it was really interesting, but I started to really dislike the the couple because it just seemed like everything happened so quickly. Um, and it, but it didn't feel, it didn't like suddenly every, all the vampires accept her like in this, in the house, like her, his mother accepts her and like, she's killed a shit ton of witches and she's okay with that. I don't know. It just felt very sudden. Like they were just trying to get to the rest of the story. Um, and I would have liked more of like, I hate you, but now we got to kiss very angrily in, in the, um, in the rain. Um, uh, you need to leave because I'm going to eat you if you don't like literally, um, uh, I needed more of that. I really would have liked more of that. Um, it was good. I finished the first season. I don't know if I care too much to, to keep going just because like, I don't know. I really was, I was really, really feeling this forbidden romance between these two people who should hate each other and kind of still do, but don't. Um, and I just, that was squashed by like episode three. So I was kind of sad. Um, I finished it. It was fine. Um, yeah, that's all I gotta say. Nice. Maybe, maybe check out the book. I feel like I've heard good things about the book. Yeah, I think, I think so. Um, I read The Secret History by Donna Tart, um, which this book is so good. Uh, this is a book about the six most awful people on earth. Um, doing awful, awful things to each other and other people. Um, the main character of the book, told from his perspective, his name is Richard Richard Papin, uh, and he is like a lower middle class dude from Southern California. I think it's Southern California. Um, he was Northern California. It doesn't matter. He's from California, and he, uh, on a whim, ends up going to study at this college in Vermont that is like. It's not like an Ivy League, but it's still like a, a well-respected college. Um, and it's based on Donna Tartt's time in college where she attended with people like Brett Easton Ellis. Um, and so he goes to this school and he is at first he's changed majors several times. And at this time, he's studying to be a doctor. Um, but he finds out that there is a classics instructor there who only takes on he only teaches five students. And if you are in his classes, you can't take classes from any other teachers. It's his classes or nothing. Um, and that he's like... toxic. Well, let me tell you, Mary. <laughs> that could be the name of this book. That sounds toxic. <laughs> um, you've uh, So he decides, I am absolutely going to become one of these students. And then he meets some of the students and they're all like wealthy, very snooty. It feels for quite a while it feels like this book takes place in like the 40s or 50s it takes place in the 80s it is a shock when you find out that it is the 80s based on how these characters behave they are all so snooty they are all wealthy and like uh, like they feel like fucking jay gatsby like oh god hitting each other on the shoulder and saying old sport like that is how they behave um and you find out in like the prologue of the book that they murder one of them named Bunny. You know, from the very beginning, they fucking killed Bunny and you have no idea why. Like, why the fuck did these classic students decide to murder one of their friends? What the fuck happened to get them to that point? Well, guys, a lot happened to get them to that point. Primarily that in their instructor, Julian, um, they're all obsessed with the ancient Greeks and they and I think Rome as well, but like they, um, they are obsessed with aesthetics and ancient things. And um, they, they talk a lot about beauty and terror um, as being essentially synonymous. Um, and so they try to get as close to that as possible by like doing a lot of drugs and then maybe doing a murder. Um, I thought this book was absolutely brilliant. It was 
a incredible, like wicked, incisive satire of a certain type of academic person who is so obsessed with the with the object of their study that they have no regard for just like human life. Um, I loved every fucking second of this book. I could not put it down. It was amazing. Five stars. Five stars. A hundred stars. Hearts. I loved it. It was so nasty. And when I say they're the worst people alive, I mean it. They the every one of these goddamn people sucks so bad. Um, some some things you might be into here: uh, repressed homosexuality. <laughs> uh, I've never heard a character insist that they're straight more than this character who can't stop looking at his beautiful male friends. Um, God, murder, um, lots of cocaine in the Burger King parking lot or whatever. (laughs) Um, Just an absolute detachment from reality. Uh, I thought this book was so funny. I couldn't stop laughing. And when you read quotes from this book, it's like, how is that funny? Like, how is a book that says this quote funny? And it's like, you got to be there. (laughs) You got to be there to get it. Um, It is really... I don't know how it's the the book reads pretentiously and it feels um it feels very literary, you know what I mean? <laughs> um but that doesn't mean that it isn't also like so fucking enjoyable and dishy. Like it's constant drama um and truly every every of every one of the main characters just fucking sucks. Um and I love that. Uh I will say like I can again cannot stress enough i loved this book to pieces it was so good um but please read the content warnings <laughs> because as i said everybody in this book fucking sucks murder is just one of the bad things that they do to each other um there's some stuff you wouldn't expect um so you know it is worth reading the content warnings because yeah there's a lot of a lot of stuff. Um, there's a lot of content warnings on Storygraph, um, some of which I disagree with. I don't understand why classism has such is such a low ranking when I feel like a lot of this book is about classism. Um, but that's fine. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely check that out because um, there's some stuff that you wouldn't expect based on the surface that happens in this book. Um, but oh my God, was it a fucking ride? Uh, it's not an uplifting book. You don't feel, oh, yeah, the human spirit at the end. Um, you feel like, wow, fuck those people. <laughs> but I had a great time reading it. Uh, last thing I have is we went to go see Everything Everywhere All at Once, which Missy talked about last time um, and talked about how great it was. And um, let me tell you, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen. <laughs> it's it, so good. I cannot I cannot even explain to you how good this movie is. This movie is about taxes, hot dog fingers, taxes, Max made out of wheelchairs, entropy, trauma, intergenerational trauma, absurdism, um, googly eyes. Yeah, googly I don't and it's the multiverse. Karaoke machines. Karaoke machines, yes. Um, I don't know what happens in this movie. I can give you the basic. Pre- yeah, I'll have you do it. I'm very. This is the basic premise of this movie. The movie follows uh, Evelyn. I can't remember her last name. Oh, I think it's Wong. Um, and her family. Um, Evelyn's daughter Joy uh, is dating a woman, and Evelyn's father, who disapproves of her life choices, is visiting or has recently moved here from China. Uh, so that is very stressful. Um, it's revealed pretty early that uh, Evelyn's husband, Waymond, is considering a divorce and is about to give her divorce papers. Um, and under all of this, they are being audited by the IRS um, because the laundromat that they run has some weird expenses. Um, so there's like all of this pr- stress coming down on Evelyn, who uh, starts to experience intrusions from other universes and throughout the movie experiences a lot of different lives that she could have led. Um, and that is the least spoilery plot hook that I can. That sounds like this is a normal, like yeah, linear story. Yeah. But the, it's the, it's the parallel lives and the, um, 
yeah, that's where things get weird. But it's weird in the best way possible. It is. I, I, I just, it's one of those those movies where you're done and you just keep thinking about it because there's just so much. And I've heard from multiple people like, and and you said the same thing, you and Josh, the second time you see it, it's even better. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like the brain it would take to make this movie make sense. Isn't is a genius one (laughs) Uh, just because there's so much happening and like, it's supposed to be like, I feel like it's supposed to be an understandably confusing story. Yeah. It once, once you have watched it once, you can understand like the mechanics mm-hmm. of what is happening. Like it actually makes the the story makes sense, yeah. but you are not given all of the tools to understand the movie the first time you see it. Yeah, it was so good. I cannot, I cannot like recommend this movie enough. Everybody should see it. You laugh, you cry, you're confused, you're happy. You you're have sad. an epiphany. You, ha- you have an epiphany about life. Um, and I feel like m- multiple people can get multiple things out of this movie, like the multiverse. <laughs> um, and the- Doctor Strange, who? Exactly. Um, we don't need that now. Uh, the outfits that her daughter wears. Yeah. Um, still her daughter. Yes, yeah, still her daughter. They're absolutely amazing. Jobu Tupaki. Absolutely amazing. I want them all. Um, yeah, it was just so good. I can't. I there's there's a lot to say, and I don't know how to say it without spoiling things mm-hmm. or make sense. Yeah, I it, it would be a great episode topic someday. Yeah. It would be really difficult, but not until it's out and people can yeah can see it more frequently. But yeah, it's a great, great, so great, 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 great movie. Go watch it. Uh, I have two more things. Uh, I read Promethea Volume One, which is by Alan Moore, which I spelled wrong. Two L's and an E. It is A-L-A-N. I don't know why I wrote that. (laughs) It is by Alan Moore, J.H. Williams III, and Mick Gray. Um, So Promethea, uh, if you liked everything everywhere all at once, you might find something to enjoy in Promethea. Um, I actually read Promethea for a class in college like 10 years ago. Uh, It might might have actually been exactly 10 years ago. Um, And this is a story about... (laughs) <laughs> quite a few things. The, the The base level story is about a college student named Sophie Banks who is writing a uh, a paper on Promethea, a literary figure who pops up in a series, like almost like a generational um, number of series by different authors. She shows up as like almost like a Wonder Woman type figure. She is very mythic. Um, she is very powerful. And she's usually connected with one creator of the time who often uses a real life woman, either uses a real life woman or is um, is created by a real life woman who Promethea resembles. So she is tracing the history of this character Promethea through these different manifestations um, in history. And as she does so, she actually comes to embody Promethea herself. And so Promethea is a sort of superhero thing who comes from uh, the world of imagination in by which I mean, like it's, it's not Plato's world, world of forms. It's a bit different, but it is kind of the idea of the, or the Jungian collective unconscious kind of the same thing. Like when she, uh, Sophie goes there as Promethea and like encounters, um, the uh, little red riding hood and the wolf. And she has like these really strange experiences in this world of imagination that feeds her power. Um, Man, if you like young shit, if you like Plato's world of form shit, if you like, like, I don't, I don't even know how to explain it. It's great. (laughs) I really, really liked it. And I liked it when I read it in college. And I'm really glad that I reread it because I think I got a lot more out of it this time. Really excited to read the rest of the series um, because I didn't read those for college. We only read the first one as part of like a unit we were doing. I think it was my class on death and other forms of living in literature. And since this is like kind of about reincarnation, we read it. Um but it was great. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, it is, you know, it is an Alan Moore comic. It's sometimes quite edgy, you know, a little three edgy five me. Um, but uh, 
the the meat of it like the stuff about imagination and um the you know collective unconscious i'm like oh this is this is dope i love it um so i really enjoyed it i'm excited to read the rest of the volumes i feel like if you if you hear any of that and you're like oh interesting it is worth reading um yeah i liked it a lot i also watched russian doll season two what a fucking ride that was um russian doll so season one it stars it stars in uh at least in season two is directed a lot by natasha leone um who's amazing um in season one it is about her being (laughs) trapped in a time loop on her birthday uh she can't get out of her birthday i think it's her 35th birthday i want to say something like that maybe 37th birthday um and she can't get out of this time loop she keeps dying and then waking up in the same not waking up but like coming back to her body at this moment on her birthday um and she has to find a way out of that loop kind of by connecting with a different person and i don't want to spoil too much of what happens in season one because mary hasn't watched it uh season two the bit of a spoiler for season one she gets out of the time loop (laughs) um but in season two she ends up getting on the subway and this is a few days before her 40th birthday Um, she ends up getting on the subway and lo and behold, she is transported back to the 1980s. And I don't want to spoil anything more about it because you think that's what's in the trailer. You're like, oh, they kind of spoiled what the time travel thing is this season. They did not friends. They did not. It is a lot more than that. Um, this season is a lot more about her kind of coming to terms with her place in life and why things are the way that they are and where she fits in this generation, this like, uh, her, her ancestry of like, God, it's, it's complex. It's like a lot of it has to do with the fact that her family is Jewish and was in Europe during world war two specifically and Hungary. Um, and they had like this um, this wealth that was stolen by the Nazis. Um, and so part of the story is her trying to recover that wealth to improve her station in, uh, in you know, 2022. Um, but that's like only this, only a sliver of it. It is so deeply weird. And I loved it. I loved this season. I do think it could have used a little more breathing room, maybe one or two more episodes to slow down the pace just a hair. Because uh, it was like, if you look away from the screen for even a second, you could be totally lost. <laughs> there was stuff was happening all the time. And I just wanted a, a smidge more breathing room. I also would have liked more time for the other major character who appeared in season one. Um, I would have liked a little more time for his story because I felt that that was also really interesting, but it wasn't getting as much, like nearly as much screen time as Nadia, the character played by Natasha Lyonne. Um, it wasn't getting nearly as much screen time as that. And I also found that really compelling. Um, but I feel like, uh, like a season of Russian doll that is not as good as the first season of Russian doll is still better than almost every other show I watch. Um, so I'm not mad about it. Um, (laughs) because I had a great time watching it is the fact that I am in love with Natasha Leone as Nadia because she is an absolute dirtbag and I love her clothes. That is not, not a factor here. Um, she is the sharpest dressed dirtbag on earth. I love her. I would die for her. Um, that's all you need to know. It's a great show. If you haven't watched it, it's totally worth a watch. I think it's so, so, so good. Um, it's so weird and interesting and like it makes you think but it's also very funny um just a a a delight is the wrong word because it deals with some heavy shit but adventure it's not not an adventure it's not a ride it is a ride for sure. A good ride. A good ride. It's the Incredicoaster. <laughs> well, I think the Incredicoaster is a bit more lighthearted than... I mean, they like set a tunnel on fire. That's... A lot worse things happen in Russian Doll. <laughs> um, but yeah, Russian Doll, it's still great. Even if I didn't like the first season as much as I like season one, I it's one of the best things I've watched this year, so nice. I'm not complaining. I'll watch it eventually. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I don't need anything really dark right now. I'm watching Cell and Sunset. 
the thing the thing with stuff like this like calling it dark is not inaccurate Mm -hmm. but the point of it is not to make you sad at the end you feel a lot of cathartic emotions Mm -hmm. and then at the end you feel a very different emotion Hmm. um similarly to uh, again everything everywhere all at once that's a movie that's deeply sad through much of it it is it is very sad and distressing and then you come to the end of it and you're like oh my god i feel a completely new thing um that is very much how the first season of russian doll felt which does get quite dark um and season two similarly is a lot of like it's like defeat after defeat after defeat after defeat. And then in the end, the emotion that you feel is not defeat. Um, so it's not the kind of thing that I would call, I wouldn't call it depressing. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- like fruits basket. I wouldn't call that depressing. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. You feel, you feel a lot of heavy emotions while you're watching it, but you don't come out of it feeling like life is pointless and I hate everything. Mm-hmm. That is not the message that you, that you take away from how many episodes is it? Uh, in total, like first, 15. Oh, like the first season? No. Okay. In well, total, both okay. seasons is so like then it's something that I could like do like what I did with Euphoria where I binge the whole fucking thing. Yeah. Once. I think the first season is like eight episodes and the second season okay. is like seven. So like with stuff like that, sometimes that's what I have to do is like I have to binge it all at once because I can't sit on stuff for some time when it's like super emotional. I, if I remember correctly... Natasha Leone described the first season as finding a reason not to die and season two as finding a reason to live. Mm. Um, so those are that's the kind of thing that it's dealing with. Mm-hmm. It, it gets quite dark at times, especially because she dies roughly 6,000 times in the first season, um, usually by falling down the stairs. Uh, and uh, season two is more about, okay, you have a life, now what are you going to do with it? Mm. Um, so I think it's great. It is an excellent show, and Natasha Leon's looks, clothes-wise, are just choice. Every outfit. That's how I'm trying to be. Um, not like Nadia. I don't want to be like Nadia. <laughs> um, that's it for this episode. You can find us online at fakeygirlscast.com. Um, unfortunately, our podcast network, Penwich Studio, is no more. Howdy. We are so grateful to have been part of it, and uh, you should still check out the shows on the network because yeah. they were really good. So, <laughs> um, still worth checking them out. Uh, if you like this podcast, consider leaving us a review on your podcast tool, whatever it is. I don't know. iTunes, Overcast, Spotify. You can't leave a one on Spotify, I don't think. I don't know. I don't use Spotify for podcasts. Um, consider leaving us a review. It Make, it warms our hearts. Supposedly, it helps other people find you. I don't know if that's true. The truth of the matter is, I do marketing as my day job, and I don't want to do it for the podcast. Yeah. Uh, so I don't. So I, just just give us a review. Just out of the kindness of your hearts, leave us a review. Next time we are going to be doing Eclipse. <sighs> At least I finished the book and the movie. The movie sucked. Oh, the movie was. The movie sucked. It was like for like the best book. I'm not finished with the book yet, but so far it's it's it, you're right. It is the best book out of them so far, and that was a boring ass movie. Yeah, God, they really they really whiffed it on the movie. They really were like character development. Nah, we'll leave that for the book. Yeah, we'll talk about the movie in our episode. But woof, that was a dull movie. Uh, after that, we're going to be doing Saint Maud. Yes, and then we are going to be doing The Matrix. Yes. I'm not sure how we want to do the Matrix yet. Like, if we want to do maybe two episodes, because boy, howdy, there's going to be a lot to talk about. Yeah. Um. So maybe we'll split that into two. We shall see. Uh, and then after that, I haven't checked, but last time I checked, uh, Pushing Daisies was winning the poll. So it's time, folks. You get to hear me talk about Pushing Daisies, and it's all about how hot Lee Pace is. <laughs> ten out of ten, Lee Pace. Um. Yeah, that's it. All right. Catch you on the flip side.